Well, here we are, here we are. So Vagabond, interesting, we've been talking about this for months, and for us, uh, there's just a couple of double, there's a little bit of a double meaning that we like this for, and that is, uh, first of all, vagabond, well, first of all, let's define a vagabond. We read that vagabond is a person who wanders without a home or a place and oftentimes would traditionally be thought of as a, also a person who did not have a job, so they just wander, a little nomadic. So one of the things about us being in here was, oh, we're not at home, you know, kind of thing. So we liked that a little bit. But then we really got to thinking about this, and part of this as well is we want this sermon series to be for folks who might have wandered away, as well as the importance of not wandering away from the most important things. Because this kind of reminds us, doesn't it, that we don't, this isn't about the comfort of our chairs, this isn't about the technology that we have, it's not about like the big nice place, our home and all that. This is about the most important things. Don't lose sight of the most important things in life. And that's one of the things that we want to be, this to be a reminder for you. And so we're going to be in 1 John chapter two for five weeks. Now, we do this at least about once a year where we try to, we've gone through books of the Bible, we've done different things over my, uh, I'm in my 10th year now here at the church. And we've done so many different things, but at least once a year, we try to just say, hey man, we want you to love the word of God. We want you to get a hold of it. We want you to to, uh, hunger and thirst for knowing it. And sometimes if you do a whole book, it's like, man, it's just, you know, there's a weaving that goes on inside of that. But you know, if we can just do one chapter, then you can get a taste of it and we really go through it. And so that's this series. We're going to go be in 1 John chapter two, the whole month. And today we're going to look at what John wrote to the church, to the general church, and it was to give them purpose. Now, uh, John the beloved uh, is the one who wrote this. And in the first chapter of first John, he talks about being adopted, that Jesus is the light of the world and he has pierced the darkness and overcame sin and death that we might have life. So then after that, we start right in chapter two, verse one. And again, we put Bibles from place to place out here at your feet. You can can reach for it if you'd like to. First John two, this is where we're going to be. And he's writing this to the church who some have left the church and they've left the church because of false teaching. And so this whole book is an encouragement for them to keep first things first. Don't wander away from the church, the most important things, and the gospel, the centralness of the gospel. I don't know about you, but this is what is very difficult in Christian living, in living for Christ, is this whole thing of living for Jesus all the time. 
So many times we come in on Sunday morning, we're motivated, we're encouraged, we go to youth group, we see our friends, we're motivated. Man, we get to about Tuesday or Wednesday. And you know, I don't know about you, but uh, my family has experienced, I mean, I'll be honest enough, we've had a few little accidents. And one of the accidents every once in a while, something happened to us, and like a little bump. Somebody will back into somebody. And it's like, oh no, my day is ruined. Oh, not only that, my whole week's ruined from that. And you know, that's the way life is. Sometimes things happen in families, relationally. Sometimes this world has a way that by Tuesday, you forget the most important things. We just major on it. Oh, it just, we're a wreck. We're a red hot mess over something that happens. Now, I know that some of you are carrying some very serious circumstances. It's a diagnosis. It could be bad news in your family. But I know, I experienced that. But one of the things that John is trying to write to the church is saying, you know what, folks? Don't forget. Don't wander away. Don't be a vagabond. Don't wander away. Keep first things first. And so as he writes this first chapter, he says, you've been adopted. The gospel is for you. Jesus is the light of the world, and he is the light of life for you. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And then we come to chapter 2, verse 1, and we read this. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. He starts that phrase right at the very beginning of chapter two, and he says, my little children, I'm gonna ask you a question. Are you a child of God? Are you a, thank you, Alyssa. I'm sorry. I I think I said Alyssa, but somebody else said it. Sorry. Are you a child of God? This is, please forgive me for maybe the brutality of this, but if if I asked Sarah, who's sitting here, the lovely Sarah Deal, the, the wonderful story behind Luke Deal, the better half. Sarah, I I said to you, (laughs) if I say to you, are you pregnant? What would you say? Yeah, there's, it's a yes or a no, isn't it? Isn't that one of those things? It's like, yes, either you are or you are not. If I ask some of you this, one of those questions like yes or no, I don't want to be too simplistic. I don't want to be a person that, that acts like we don't live in, you know, sometimes a confusing and hard world. But this, this is one of those questions that I think John is talking to the church and he's saying, my dear children, the question is, are you a child of God? Yes or no? Have you, have, have you received Christ? Is he your righteousness? Has he settled your future? As Holly read John 14, which promises our eternity. Are you, have you settled that matter? And I want to encourage you to do that. Some of you just keep putting that off. You just say, oh, well, sometime when I... You need to cross a line. 
You need to say, today, I am going to, to, by faith, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And that he not, this is the thing, when we, we sing these songs about the grave, overcoming the grave, the truth is, he has overcome every death and the grave. And that's why we celebrate, is because God created every person who's here for eternity, and he has promised an eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. I encourage you to do that today. My dear children, I want you to not sin and stay in what Jesus brought you out of. Don't stay, don't go back to what we got freed from. Don't keep sinning so that grace would abound. Don't keep doing that. And we keep blowing it, don't we? Our mouths, our actions, our words, our comfort, my own pleasure my own entitlement, it keeps getting back and I keep sinning. And so John knows all this and he says, my dear children, I don't want you to sin. Don't sin. But if you do, ha- if you do sin, you have an advocate. Now listen, man, that is good news. When we sin, we have an advocate in heaven. That is really good news. Let me tell you, I want you to zero in on that word, advocate. Because in this language, it shows an aggressive behavior on God's behalf. It's not like, hey, somebody will take care of that somewhere, somehow. No, 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 no. Jesus is actively advocating for you. If you do sin, my dear children, if you do sin, and when you do sin, then you have to know that Jesus is advocating. See, some of you listening to me right now aren't seeing yourself as a child of God. And so you don't understand. You don't, and I, I struggle with this too. In the sense that, how do I see myself? How do I see my own identity? And I tend to wander away from God because I forget who I am. And so we read here that he is an advocate. It's hard for you to believe that God not only loves you enough to send Jesus for you, but Jesus is acting on your behalf. This advocate, advocate is a verb. It's something Jesus is doing on your behalf, not something that you have to do. I'm not talking about you being good enough. I'm talking about Jesus advocates on your behalf in heaven when you sin. Do you understand that today? Do you really grasp? Don't wander away. Don't forget who you are. Because when you do sin, because some of you struggle living before Jesus and walking with him because you're like, oh man, that was on me. I've sinned. I, I'm so driven by my own pleasure. I'm, I'm so driven by sin and the sin nature inside of me. I'm just giving up. Don't give up. Because even when you do sin, Jesus is advocating for you. And then he says this word that I say Wayne County, West Virginia style. He is the propitiation. Propitiation, right there in verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins. He has made full propitiation for our sins. Verse 2. Now, what does this word mean? What you need to see in this word is this. I'm going to try to say this as well as I can. Propitiation, that word, is the removal of the wrath of God against us by the death of Jesus. So in other words, it is the removal of God's wrath 
towards you through Jesus. So not only is Jesus the advocate, but some of you still think this is a negotiating or a scorekeeping contest that you're doing with God. Like I am, my score, my sin score is going down. And in his word, John is trying to tell them, in your identity, God advocates when you do sin and he is the propitiation. In other words, he's the one who removes the wrath of God. It's the full payment that he has made full propitiation for your sin so that when you do sin, God takes care of it. And here's the two things I want you to remember about this one point today. Jesus admits our guilt and pleads his blood on our behalf. That's what it means. That means that Jesus admits our guilt. In other words, he's the one who takes on our sin as his own and he pleads his blood on our behalf. And so this is what's so important to know your identity, to know who you are. And I wanna challenge you today to not wonder from knowing the most important thing. Whether you're, you're playing football, whether you sing, whether it is you're a great academic, or whether it is you work in a field, or whether you work in a school, or whether you, whatever or it is you work, wherever your life is, I wanna encourage you to know your identity and to not forget it. This is one of the great struggles for so many people. It is being one way at church and another way at school, one way at work and another way at home. And I want us to, one of the part of the central for us not to wander away is for us to know who we are, know who you are. Now, here's my question for you. Who are you gonna believe? Are you gonna believe the lies and the schemes of the devil that tells that you're not gonna be good enough? This is just who I am. Some of the worst self-speak, I've talked about this in the past. I'm not kidding. I say stuff about myself that I would never say to somebody else. I would never say something to somebody. Like, for example, I'm, and this is, I'm just gonna be honest with you about how I am. I, I remember I, I played ping pong a little bit in my life and I, I you know, and, and I don't do very good. I'm stupid, I am just so dumb. I am so stupid. Why do I do something like that, you know? I blow it in some other way and I just, oh man, I just talk to myself. You are the dumbest person alive. I should not be trusted with anything, much less a car. You know, just things that, uh, self-speak, it's the way we talk to ourselves. We say things about, I would never walk up to somebody and say, you are really dumb. And I would add on to that stupid, like really, like really seriously, you are dumb and stupid. But I do it all the time, stupid, just do that. Listen, this is one of the wars we have. There's a war going on. Know your identity. I just, they pulled the plug on me. I'm not done yet. <laughs> Here's the second part of this whole thing. And it starts in verse three. He turns the corner a little bit and he introduces what is the first of seven tests in this chapter about walking with Christ and knowing him. And uh, verse three. So he's come out saying that he takes away the sins of the whole world. And then he says, and by this, 
We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever know says, I know him. I know Jesus. I'm a follower. But does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So that last verse there in verse 6, whoever says that he abides in Jesus ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. Here's the, he says, the proof of eternal life is daily obedience. So the test is this in verse 3. Do we keep God's commandments? I want you just to hold that spot right there in verse 6, or in verse 3. Go over to chapter 3, verse 23. And in the context of this whole book, John says, what is this commandment? Verse 23 in chapter 3. And this is his commandment. This is Jesus' commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. In other words, Jesus, going back to when Jesus was asked by the religious leaders, what's the most important commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. And John says, what is the most important commandment? It is to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another. God's chief commandment is this, that we believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. First, to know God, we must believe in the name of Jesus Christ. If we believe in Christ, then we come to know God. For Jesus Christ came to earth to reveal God, and by believing in Jesus, we keep God's commandment. I want to encourage you to believe, to believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the commandment, and that's the false teaching that was going around. People were drawing other people, and Jesus is not that important. We live in a culture that is saturated with this. They're comfortable with anything you say about God, but you start getting specific about Jesus, and that's when they shut the door. I want to encourage you, listen, We have bankrolled all this on Jesus and his resurrection, period. Like we have, this is it. We have put our lives on the line for who Jesus is. And so for us in keeping his commandment in the context of this chapter, it's for us to be obedient to Christ is to first believe in Jesus And then the second thing is he said, love your neighbor as yourself. We're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be different than everybody else. In fact, Jesus went beyond just loving the people that love you. He said, love your enemies. You're supposed to be different. In other words, we're supposed to be empathizing with other people. We're not supposed to be just thinking about ourselves. We're supposed to be thinking about other people and how God's called us to be like Jesus. And so I want to encourage you today. We will not really act out and really pass this test 
unless we put Jesus first, loving God as much as we can, and we will be keeping all the commandments of God if we love. That's what Jesus said. You're keeping all the commandments when you empathize, when you practice the golden rule, when you do what Jesus said to do, which was to love peculiarly. And I don't want to tell you, if you're 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, and you follow Jesus' commandment to love people, love the unlovely, to put others first, you will be peculiar in this generation. And I would say it even more boldly to you who are 25 to 40 years old. If you will parent in such a way and act in such a way where you prefer and love one another, you will be bold and peculiar in your generation. I want to encourage you today. One of the tests is for us to be obedient, to believe and then to love one another. Here's the four, in verse five, we learn this. Obedience leads to an intimate experience of God's love. But whoever, listen, keeps his word. So in other words, those who are keeping God's word by following Jesus and loving others, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. So the assurance is the fruit we're bearing in our lives, that we're becoming different. It's not just about me. I'm, I'm turning this around. I'm, I'm trying to glorify God and believing in Jesus and trying to glorify him, not myself. And then as well, I'm also trying to love other people. And I'm glorifying God by being loving to other people. Be peculiar. Don't be the same as everybody else. Be a unique person. The obedient person is the person who knows God and loves God. He is the person who knows the love of God. He knows the fullness of life that God's love brings. And this is where we find it. And I'll just give you a few hints of what Jesus said and what John's trying to share with us and show us in Jesus. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 25 through 27, do you remember? Where he said, uh, the rain descends and it comes down and the floods come and the winds blow and it beat upon the house and, and it does not fall it's because it's founded on the rock. And that's every, listen, everybody who hears these words of mine and does them shall be like, like the person who builds their life, their house on the rock. But if you build your life on anything else, it's like building a house on shifting sand and the rains come and the winds come and it just washes away. So to know God intimately is to listen to Jesus, know your identity, and then to obey and say, I'm going to act. I'm going to act in such a way that I'm a child of God. Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, whoever does the will of my father, which is in heaven, is the same. This is Jesus speaking. He is the same as my brother and sister and mother. In other words, the adoption is complete. We are family. Here's the last thing. Obedience means living as Jesus lived. Now, so this word walk uh, comes from the original Greek word, which where we get perpetual, which kind of shows a continuous action. So in other words, whoever says he abides in him is to continuously walk. In him. We've been talking about this, haven't we? This is something that I think God's put on my heart for us to walk, be people that be not a, man, they walk with God 
Do you walk with God? I want to encourage you to walk with God. Obedience means living as Jesus lived. It means to keep on walking, to continuously walk. And if a person abides in Christ, he must be a responsible person. He ought to walk as Jesus walked. The person who professes Jesus and claims to know that he is God is obligated to walk in Christ. So you might say, well, how did Jesus walk? So how do I, you know, Jesus, you know I am not the Messiah. How is it, I'm supposed to walk as Jesus walked? Listen to this description. Listen to these descriptions of Jesus on earth walking with God. He walked, continuously walked, believing and trusting God. I want to encourage you to do the same. Believe and trust God. Jesus continuously walked, worshiping and praying to God. He continuously was worshiping God and glorifying Him in what He did. I want you to, I want to just listen to me. I want you to be radical. I want us to be a radical generation for Jesus. I know some of you are like, well, I'm in construction and I'm a school teacher and I, I, I'm not exactly, I didn't, I want to encourage you. Listen, all of you are continuously walking this week. You're going to, you're going to be, you're going to do all kinds of things. You're going to touch so many people. So as you walk, worship and pray to God. As you continually walk, it's another thing, Jesus was fellowshipping and communing with God. Do that. Every time you change classes, at certain times, just continuously walk with God. Jesus also was constantly giving and sacrificing all he was and had to God. And I would encourage you the same. As you walk, you're just continuously available to God. Jesus in his walking, was seeking and following after God. I would encourage you before you get out of the car and you go into Kroger, say, Lord, if you have an appointment in here for me, Lord, I want to be available. Just continuously just say, hey, Lord, I mean, sometimes I don't, I just pick up the milk and go home sometimes. But you know what? When you're available to God, you'll see God uses you. Jesus was continuously, I'm just trying to talk about this intimacy. Some of you are like, well, I'm not, I don't have Jesus's, Jesus, I can't be like, you can. It means living as Jesus lived. Jesus was teaching and telling others about God. I would encourage you to use life lessons. I mean, for example, you go to school and you just, you, somebody brings something up at the, at the cafeteria. Rather than just trying to be holier than thou, just say, you know what, man, I've been learning this. I blow it all the time. You know what God's trying to show me? God's trying to show me I need to talk less and listen more. I mean, that's just little ways where you can just teach people what you're learning and talk about God and insert and inject that. Loving and caring for others just as God said to do. And also Jesus, do it as Jesus did. He, he obeyed and kept all of God's commandments really being mindful of his word. So to break it down, just two things as we leave here, because I was thinking about this on Friday. It's really two things. In verses one and two, he's talking to us about, you know, stay free from sin. Don't wander away. Trust in Jesus because you have an advocate and the removal of wrath from your life. 
trust God. Second thing is obey. That first test that he mentions right here in verses three through six, obey. Old hymn, trust and obey. It's a great hymn. I wanna encourage you this week to trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust in him more. I would encourage you to put your faith in God, to believe. And then the second thing I want to talk to you is about one thing about a relationship thing and obeying. Because there's some of you are like, okay, I got to toe the line. All right, here we go. Listen to me. I was thinking about this this morning. My wife and I just got back from celebrating 30 years of marriage. We are celebrating officially on September the 3rd, but we got away for a week. And uh, it was great. And over those 30 years, we, just like everybody else, have had our struggles. We, we disagree. We fight. We've had our moments where we've uh, had our low points. We've had, just like you, you know, relationships are hard. And, uh, but there's been glorious, glorious times of wonderful. By the way, guys, I just want to tell you, some of you are like in year three, four, or five. It gets great. Uh, at seven, it's maybe sort of that hardest time. I don't know if it was for us, but I mean, I just, sociologically, they study this stuff and it gets hardest right there at about year seven to about nine. But then there's sort of a snowball effect from then on and it gets great from there on as you grow together. But you know, we still have had to, we've had our struggles. And I bring this up because we have this little phrase that we learned about seven or eight years ago. You know, when, you, when things are contentious or you, you want to re-engage the relationship or if you feel like things are getting hard and you're having a hard time being together, Sherry and I have kind of learned this little phrase and I don't even know where we read this, but it's this. Be the, per, the first person to soften the conversation. And we'll repeat that. Be the first person to soften the conversation. You know, you get in the heat of the battle, man. You start saying stuff and then you're just reaching. You're just trying to one-up the other person and your heart gets hard. And I don't want to hear any of that, that marriage crap. I, I just, I'm going after blood. I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say. And I'm just going to say it. We get hard-hearted, and it's hard to soften harsh words after they're said. So be the first person to soften the conversation. Make that your race. Be the first person to reach to soften the conversation. When I talk to you about trust and obey, what I'm encouraging you to do is that Jesus has softened his approach on behalf of God to us. He is the one who has offered us grace and mercy. It's new. And I would encourage you to soften your heart. Soften the conversation towards God. And soften your heart towards him to obey. I'm not talking about like you becoming perfect that's why Jesus is needed, okay? Let's just give up. Let's quit acting like we have it together or we're ever going to pull it together. Truth is, we need him desperately. And so I'm challenging you today to soften your heart towards God and be obedient. Trust him and obey.
Would you pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. Lord, I pray for every person here that you would help us to be children of God according to the word of God. Thank you, Father, for not leaving us alone and that your grace is over us. Help us, Lord, to continually be obedient by trusting and having faith in you. Lord, I pray for those today who are struggling to have faith. Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief. And Lord, I also pray that you would help us to obey. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to your word. Help us, Father, to not forget or to wander away from your teachings, to believe in you and to love. Lord, help us to have an intimacy in you, in our obedience, that we are fully yielded to you and our hearts are not hard. Help us, Lord. What's impossible with each person here is possible with you. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart here. Help us to have soft hearts towards you. Help us to trust you completely. Help us, Lord, to obey. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I pray that he would do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine and that you this week would live that life of trusting and obeying him. God bless you and have a great week.